Welcome to the podcast. I'm Carla Joy Treadway. I'm here to help you navigate nuanced conversations and explore topics that demand your attention and awareness. There is no topic off limits here. Together, we will seek to find the middle path, explore the polarities of darkness and light, left and right, grace and grit. As a writer, life coach, and seasoned yogi, I'm in the business of awareness and conscious action. I'm here to create space for the conversations that need to be had in order to create solutions that bridge the divide between humans. Sensemaking will use practical, logical, philosophical, and spiritual tools to help us gain well-rounded perspectives on issues that strike a chord. Let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm Carla Treadway. I'm sitting here in my office and it is a terrible, terrible day outside. I live in Kenora, Ontario, and we normally have pretty harsh winters, but this one has been a doozy. We're averaging like minus 30 temperatures and non-stop snow, non-stop. My family and I live out on an island um, in a lake community. And in the summer, it's wonderful and beautiful and you, you boat everywhere. And winter has its own special beauty, but, you know, also some challenges. So we're driving the ice road in the winter and in this weird in-between season, we're, um, you know, driving over top of water on ice. It's quite spooky, um, but it, it was warming up and now today we're back to the blizzard. So I would just like to say that I'm very happy to be with you inside, warm, with my shy wolf candle right here, my Ayurvedic tea, and uh, th- this is a much, much better place to be. <laughs> Today's podcast I wanted to talk about the division that has happened in Canada and what we can do about it. I'm not one to sit in complaint because I don't think that that's particularly helpful, but I also don't think it's helpful to um, turn a blind eye to the things that are happening. I think we need to address them and more importantly, I think we need to create solutions. Solutions that come from a place of understanding. The last two years have been hard on everyone. Absolutely everyone. No one has been spared by COVID. No one. It's been stressful. There have been lives lost, businesses lost. People have gone bankrupt. Really, no one has been spared. And I think we forget that on some level. And I say that because the online culture we see, we talked about it briefly in the last podcast, our online culture is violent. It's extremist. You know, we're we're all adults now. A lot of us are adults. And we're I feel like I'm I'm back to the playground some days. Like we need to go back to school and relearn simple manners. You know, don't be like be nice to people. <laughs> treat 
other people how you would like to be treated. Don't bully. Like how many, I have two children here. There's always that anti-bullying week. I mean, do we need to bring that back for adults so we can see how we're behaving online? Before any of us post a meme or laugh at someone who has a different opinion than us on the internet, we really need to remind ourselves that people are suffering. And while it's easy to remember our own suffering, and perhaps we're using this as an excuse to attack what we believe is the source of our suffering, we forget that the other side is there too. No matter what side of the public health battle you sit on, both sides have something to say. Some people have become bankrupt. I used to own a yoga studio here and my lease was up in November and to be honest, it was a no-brainer to close. I lost so much money by having to forcefully close my business. And then even in those brief windows during the pandemic when I could open up, people were scared. People were scared to be in public. They were scared to be around other people. So I was not getting the numbers that I would have gotten before. But I still had all the same bills. A lot of people, in terms of their jobs, they were able to work from home. A lot of people that work for the government, a lot of people that have social service jobs, a lot of people that are in the tech industry, you know, they just took their laptops home and kept working. And while that was hard in its own way, and perhaps inconvenient, and people had their kids home, they still had money coming in. Some people lost their businesses. They lost their homes because of lockdowns and mandates. And here, as one of the divides, we really see a class divide, an elitist divide. Because the people that were making the rules, our government officials, they all kept working. They weren't standing up for the people that were losing their jobs or people like the truckers or food delivery people that still had to work the whole time, especially in the beginning when it was pretty terrifying, when we didn't really know what this thing was. Those people still had to go out and risk getting sick or risk not being able to pay their bills. This is a very real thing. And I think any of us that were lucky enough to work from home really need to recognize that blessing and recognize that we truly don't understand the other side. The other side where it matters if you can't work for a day, let alone a week or two years. That matters to a lot of people. It's, it's a real privilege to be able to work from home, and many people weren't that lucky. 
We also see a lot of vilification of people that refused to get the vaccine because maybe they are conspiracy theorists. Maybe. But maybe they have someone close to them that's been seriously vaccine injured or know someone close who has. That's a real thing. There's a lot of people trying to ignore that, that this is a real thing. This is a real thing. And here's one of those like truths that I'm not supposed to say and people don't like to hear it, but people were hurt by the vaccines. This is a thing. And we can't ignore that. This is a a really serious problem. And if you put yourself in that person's shoes, maybe you got it and you were injured. You don't want to have another one. Maybe someone that you knew got a blood clot or a heart issue or died shortly after. Would you actually seriously go and get this? Absolutely not. And if we're not in that place, I see how it's very easy to not believe it, or it's very easy to point a finger and judge, but unless we're in their shoes, we seriously can't see that side. You know, I have um, an 18-year-old niece, and the best years, um, what, what should be her best like college years, have been spent in the basement in her grandparents' house doing online school. She had been saving up for like three years to do this trip in Iceland. That got canceled. She was a high-level swimmer. All her meets got canceled. You know, university got canceled. Everything got canceled. Like, imagine like that generation of people and how they're struggling. And maybe those people are pro-vaccine. Maybe they don't want to get it. Regardless, think of how like our younger generation, imagine the future that they see for themselves right now. These are like transformative brain years. These are supposed to be the best, funnest years of their life. I know funnest isn't a word, but I just said it. And how bleak. You know, these people don't need to be online bullied. These people don't need judgment. You know, they're they're just surviving. They're having a really hard time in life right now. And of course, we have a lot of people that have lost someone they love to COVID. This is also real. This is a terrible problem. We have people that maybe haven't been lost to this, but are seriously ill and are terrified of this virus. This is real. These people do not need to be judged and shamed if they want to wear a mask forever. I've heard that from people that they will never take their mask off in public again. That is none of our business. If they choose to do that, if they think it's helpful and they need protecting, then let them do that. These people do not need to be judged or shamed or bullied online. And I think that's something really important to see in all this is that even when people are acting shitty when they're mean, when they're bullying, when they're posting memes that are thoughtless and rude. 
I don't think that they're bad people. I think these are scared people. They have, they're, they're scared for different reasons. And I don't think people always realize the harm that they're causing. They're just reacting. They, they're seeing something on the internet and just immediately reposting it without even thinking. You know, it feels good to post something and get that instant gratification of people putting their little clap emojis and saying louder in the back. I don't think we should be applauding bullying at any time. So we have both of those sides. We have people that have lost someone to COVID. We have people that have been seriously injured by the vaccine and both sides are real. And you can try and say that one side is more important or bigger than the other, but how do we measure the value of a life? Whether someone actually passed away or someone is seriously disabled for the rest of their life. How do you put a number on that or quantify that? Like you can't, you can't, and we're not in their shoes. So we just need to leave that alone. A lot of people are just purely exhausted by all this. So like even this podcast, trying to listen to this particular one, talk about COVID, some people can't even hear that because they're exhausted. Like our healthcare workers, our first responders, not only have they been worked to the bone, they've had to do that in layers upon layers upon layers of PPE. And they were already working in a broken system. The system was broken way before this whole thing started. So they were already tired going into this. The system was already broken. They were already underpaid, underappreciated, and now we're here. And some of them are neutral on public health measures. Some of them are really adamant that there is a right way and a wrong way. But regardless, like where they're coming from is exhaustion. They are doing their best and they are exhausted. And they're going to react a certain way. I think I I feel so strongly too for the people that have children, everyone that has children, people that have immunocompromised children, and they've been really scared about this disease. And then just the effects in general of lockdowns on our kids. And luckily, the blessing, the blessing of this virus has been that it leaves kids alone. It leaves healthy kids alone. That's been a blessing. But still, the consequences of our actions in order to protect them have been debilitating. You know, we have um, speech, um, can't think of the word, but we're setting, we're setting the bar lower in schools. (laughs) We've quietly rolled back children's ability to learn and speak because they've been masked, because they have skipped school. They're way behind. We have teenagers feeling so disconnected from their friend group. 
We have kids that have been sitting on screens day in and day out for two years. I can't think of anything more depressing, to be honest, as, as a family that doesn't really advocate for a lot of screen time in general. You know, those parents that were working from homes, some of them didn't have any choice but to just plunk their kid in front of the TV. That's not on them. That's surviving, right? I have I had friends that had to work from home with a, a two-year-old, a three-year-old. You know, they, they had to have the TV on just to distract them because they would get in the way of their work. And they knew it was temporary, but, you know, they were just doing what they had to do. There's people waiting for life-saving surgery and they keep getting postponed. And then we also have people that have pre-existing health conditions and they are terrified to get these injections that do have reported significant side effects. Should we be making fun of these people and shaming them? for being scared that they might have a heart attack, even if that risk is small. Again, that's a life. You can't quantify that. And that that person should be able to choose. I'm friends with a a gentleman in uh, Winnipeg who runs a funeral home. And he was saying that What he's not seeing in the funeral home are people that have died of COVID, but what he's seeing is a tremendous amount of children who have died because of drug overdoses or suicide. And that is really something that we're ignoring. We're not looking at that. Now, Looking at this broad range of personal experiences, imagine now going through that, being injured, losing someone, um, having a kid die of suicide, like these horrific things. Now imagine being shunned by your friends and your family. Imagine waking up to see a meme that someone has posted ridiculing your position while you're in pain. And you know cognitively that it's just the internet. This is what people will do. You can't stop it. They probably just don't get it. That still hurts. And that is still adding to the division, that feeling of people being alone. I don't think anyone deserves to be ridiculed. I think that people are actually just not being heard in the way that they need to. We've heard one side during the pandemic and the things that have been going um, through our mainstream news. We get to hear one side, but there are many sides that have been completely silenced. And not only have other sides been silenced by mainstream media, mainstream media and our health officials have even 
I would say, encouraged this type of online bullying. You know, the words from our very own prime minister using labels like anti-vaxxer and saying that people are racist or misogynist and that they take up space. (laughs) This is our leader talking. What kind of leader divides people in this way? And we're talking about millions of people. Our prime minister is talking about millions of people when he simplifies them into one or two horrible, slanderous names. It's ridiculous. But because he's doing it, it's giving people carte blanche to work in the same way. Oh, it's okay because my side is the right side. And this is where we've really, really gone astray. Because if we see the complexities of these issues, of these two sides, these three, four, or five sides, then we understand actually this is not black and white and these are real people going through some shit right now. And I think if we really knew that, I think if we really heard that, and I think for sure if our prime minister didn't condone that division, I don't think we would have done that on our own. I think this was encouraged. Because he obviously had things that he wanted us to do. And I guess he thought division was maybe the way to get there. I don't. I think people are inherently good. I think we just got led astray. What if there wasn't a right side? What if it's much more complicated than that? And this is where I sit. I I sit in choice. Because we don't live in other people's bodies. We don't walk in their shoes. We can't mandate anything for someone's body. It's ridiculous. Especially when it's not black and white. Because here's something that I heard the other day that I actually really resonated with. I was listening to the Dark Horse podcast and they were saying, I could see where mandates could be a thing. Like, let's say that the disease that was running amok was something like Ebola and it killed 50% of the people instead of less than 1%. And let's say that the medicine that they created stopped you from getting the illness. You know, I could get on board with that. Even if it were risky, even if there were risks associated with it, I would think, yeah, you know, that makes sense. That's a risk I'm willing to take. But, you know, maybe even then, you guys might disagree, maybe even then we shouldn't be forcing anyone to do anything. Because still, there will be these personal stories personal circumstances, that maybe someone's not willing to take that risk. I think hearing these stories and being honest about personal um, accounts, I think they matter if we are going to unite again and find solutions that actually work to heal our communities. These stories matter. 
We need to stop choosing sides. A righteous side does not exist where we are able to rejoice or mock other people's pain. A side where the story and their pain doesn't matter. This is empathy. Can we walk in each other's shoes? Can we find solutions that heal the collective? Like right from the beginning, using an approach A one-size-fits-all approach for 6 billion people is a ridiculous idea. Of course that's not going to work. So I think before we post a meme or share something that we think is clever, I think we have to ask, what am I not seeing here? Have I walked in their shoes? And most importantly, does this heal or hurt the collective. Like, look guys, I'm not free from this either. I love comedy. I love humor. I love sarcastic humor. I've definitely, definitely dropped some bomb memes that had my own opinion, my own spin on it as well. But I let that go a while ago now. Because I like to consider myself someone that is able, truly, to see both sides. And if I really, truly want to stand in that, if I want to be pro-choice, then I need to seek to understand above all else. I need to seek to understand more than just being right. Being right is what's really hurting us. This binary thinking. We're unable to think in duality anymore. And this is how ridiculous it is. I'm going to simplify this for you. In terms of binary thinking, if you are hesitant to get the vaccine or are against vaccine mandates, that means that you are an anti-vaxxer even if you have currently 15 different vaccines floating in your body since childhood, even if you're vaccinated, all of a sudden you're an anti-vaxxer. Like, let's use some common sense here. That's ridiculous. Or if you went to the freedom protests, oh, well, that means you're a racist white supremacist. Wow, that's really extreme. Maybe that person just lost their job, right? Maybe they're at the protest because their business got shut down for two years. And maybe they're black. Maybe they're indigenous. Like that's a wild, wild train of thinking. And this is where like the online bullying really, really churns things up. If you say blank, then this means that about you. If you do this, then this means that about you. The labels that we're using right now to divide people, like throughout the last two years, people refusing to be friends with someone because of the political party that they associate with. 
or because of their personal medical decision that they chose. I feel like that's really extreme. You know, I had a friend that didn't want to listen to a podcast because they said that she was a libertarian. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, uh, I just listen to people talk. And again, that kind of goes back to grade school, right? You know, don't be friends with that person. They're uh, no, no, no. And we put a little label on them. I've never been like that. Like not since elementary, not now. I can decide for myself who to be friends with, what information to listen to, what to watch, what to read, based on me investigating it myself. That's how we get to know something because things are complicated. So I will watch CBC and I will watch Fox News. I have friends that are conservative and I have friends that are liberal and friends that are in the Green Party. I have friends that are gay and straight. I have friends that go to the freedom protests in Ottawa and I have friends that work in public health that think that um, the health measures are perfect and that there's nothing wrong. And I can actually be with all the people and I can listen to both sides and appreciate as long as they're able to be in conversation like this, as long as they're not bullies. It's interesting too, part of this binary thinking, so binary black or white, um, has been our use of language, weaponizing language to stop us from listening to certain information or gathering with certain people. You know, one of the first like little slogans that I remember from two years ago was vilifying the, uh, the phrase doing your own research, which meant if someone ever said that they looked into this or they did their own research, that immediately means this about you. And what it means about you is you are a tinfoil hat kook. That's what it means about you. Because clearly you are not a smart enough adult to read a paper. And that's ridiculous. Now, are we all, do we all have the same education? Of course not. That does not mean that we are uneducated to the point that we can't understand basic math or we can't understand a research paper when we read it, especially when people are reading like good sources of information or when people are actually going to experts in healthcare themselves and having conversations What that slogan actually means is don't look into this for yourself. Just do what we tell you. I have a big problem with that. Because in science, we have hypotheses. We have different theories. The whole idea that there is, 
that there only has ever been one solution and it's right and perfect and anything other than what we tell you is a conspiracy just is ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous because what we know from history is things change all the time. They used to recommend certain brands of cigarettes. We know about uh, thalidomide, right? And if you guys don't know what thalidomide is, is it was a drug that was created for pregnant women. Uh, don't quote me on this. I believe it's for um, feeling sick. And the mothers were fine. But the babies ended up being born deformed without limbs. And that's not a one, one and done story. This has happened thousands of times with many different drugs. At the Museum of Man and Nature, they have a, a little pharmacy section. And I, I love that section. It's really creepy. It's kind of dark in there. And they have all these old medicine bottles. Mrs. Winslow's Soothing Cough Syrup for Children. It was heroin. Imagine back then saying, you know, this is the science (laughs) and never ask questions. Well, we'd still be giving our kids heroin, I guess. Science is complicated. And yes, there are kooks out there. There are people wearing their tinfoil hats looking at garbage information that's fake. That's a thing. There are also many, many highly credentialed doctors, scientists, Nobel Prize winning laureates that disagree and they are being labeled as the tinfoil hat wearing kooks. And that is where we really need to have our ears perk up because that's not right. So weaponizing language Throwing a label on those people. Oh, well, they're discredited. They're a kook. There's no reason to listen to that person. And most people go, oh, okay. I guess that's a kook. Personally, I listen to everyone, especially the people that they say don't listen to. And then I decide for myself. And I don't agree with everything everyone says. Maybe I agree with some parts and not others. I don't assume to be a disease expert or an economist or any of these things. But at the same time, I am an intelligent adult with capable skills. And I'm able to look at multiple sources of information and make an intelligent, educated decision for myself. And I think the majority of you, you're able to do that too. It's been very strange that we have vilified personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. How about you need to really pay attention and take charge of your health? If you are a sick person, you know, you should probably go and get this vaccine to protect yourself or not. 
I think we're able to make these decisions on our own. And go ask your doctor. Go ask friends in the know. Go do your own research. Make an educated guess. But we, I think personal responsibility is the only way to live. Forcing medical decisions on anyone is tyranny. It's not right. Advocating for ourselves is essential. And even if you believe that the health measures are perfect and there's actually nothing to worry about, that's fine. But I think we really have to create space for people to advocate for themselves. Do we really want to create a system where you're not allowed to advocate for yourself? You know, someone putting their hand up in the in the back of the room, uh, guys, I actually have a pacemaker and considering that this vaccine has heart effects, I, I think I might opt out of it. We're not going to let that person do that. Well, no, because the mob decided this. That's not the country that we live in. That's tyranny. That's totalitarianism. That's infringing on people's rights. And this kind of bullying separates us. How many friendships and family members have been broken up over an injection? How ridiculous is this? How about, like, if you really disagree that strongly, how about you just don't talk about it and talk about something else? Why do we need to attack other people for this? Remembering this is not Ebola and the vaccine doesn't stop you from getting it. So where's the rationale in that? So again, if we took that example that this was Ebola, 50% of the people would die and the medicine that they created stopped you from getting it, then maybe I could see that kind of social pressure. But in this case... It doesn't make any logical sense. None. Absolutely none. Like when we look at mandates, for example. So we have our health officials and the CEO of some of these vaccine manufacturers telling us that two vaccines will basically not protect you. It's not going to do anything for Omicron, our latest variant. It's not going to do anything. What are our mandates for? Two injections. Not three, not four, not the five they're going to tell you to get. For those two. So not only does it not stop you from getting it, it does not stop you from transmitting it. So it was ridiculous from day one, the idea of mandates. Uh, They were punishment and coercion, nothing else. But now it, 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 actually, the, it actually doesn't protect you at all. You're, if you have two injections, you're about as protected as someone that has none. Maybe that's wrong, and maybe some people are yelling at me for that, but 
mandates and passports make zero sense. None. It's social pressure, it's bullying, and that's it. It's, it's punishment. It's punishment. It's not safety. It's not public health. It's punishment and bullying. I thought the freedom movement was something really special. And I think the majority of, the, of Canadians missed that opportunity. Sorry, I had a ding there. We missed that opportunity. Because we listened to what the media said about it. And we didn't actually get to experience or see for ourselves what it actually was. It was Canada's largest, most peaceful protest that we have ever had. 21 days, not one incident of violence or injury. Not one. Anything else is a lie. CBC has since quietly um, acknowledged that. And I believe in pro-choice. So I had been going to protest for a long time before Ottawa happened. And I remember just feeling very alone in my thinking. At that point, I didn't have a podcast. I wasn't talking about this stuff. Like many people, I quietly kept my opinions to myself because I know that they weren't welcome. So like many people, I was at home alone thinking that none of this was right. And I just shut my mouth. And I remember the first time I went to a protest and there were thousands of people in Winnipeg. Black, white, First Nation, gay, straight. There were military men and hippies. There were police. There were pastors. There were little kids everywhere. There were people that were vaccinated. There were people that were unvaccinated. And everyone was linking arms and singing. And I remember during the march, I had my little bulldog with me and he was tired. And someone just picked him up and started carrying him for a little bit. I had my kid. Someone swooped her up and put her on their shoulders and kept walking. And I'm actually just getting chills as I'm talking about this because... It was about a year before I, I went to a protest and not every, not only was everything very fearful, everything was really divided and angry. <laughs> Anger and fear. That's really what we were living in. And there was like this fake cloud of like, do the right thing, but it wasn't real because we were coercing people. We were shaming people into doing the thing. That's not love. That's abuse. And then I show up at this protest and you could feel it in the air. Love. Unity. All different kinds of people, all different kinds of races, different political stances, different medical decisions, and we were all there together. I remember the speeches and there was like the most beautiful 
drumming from elders in a nearby community who were smudging and doing traditional drumming and then followed by Christian prayers. And I was watching that and just thinking like, wow, like those things don't often go together and here they are in perfect unity. And I remember the pastor talking and calling that out and saying, do you guys feel this right now? Do you feel this? And I, in my head, I'm like, yeah, I feel this. And he's like, that's God, because God is love. And love is patient, it's kind, it doesn't shame and judge and point fingers, it doesn't ridicule, it doesn't bully, and my eyes were blown wide open to what had been done to us. Like that moment in my first protest there, everything changed. And I was like, wow, I am awake to what has been done to us. I had been convinced that there was a moral side and a right side, but really it was all just bullying. This is actually unity and caring for the collective. This right here. Supporting each other and understanding that we don't all have to adhere to the same decisions, to the same ideology. We do not need to be indoctrinated into a certain way of being or thinking in order to belong. Do you guys see that too? That we are indoctrinated right now in our culture, in our schools, in our public health practices into being or saying or doing one thing. And if you step outside of the group's ideology, then you will be shamed and bullied and punished. That is so far left. That is a dangerous ideology, bullying people who disagree with you, bullying people to get back in line with the group. So when I, when I hear our prime minister actually bragging about Canada is so united because of our 90% compliance rate, I want to scream at the news screen that the majority of those people did that Because they had no choice. Because they were bullied to do that. Because they were coerced into doing that. Not everyone. A lot of them. That's not unity. That is an abusive relationship. That is not real unity. What I was experiencing at the protest, people coming together and fighting for each other, and not judging each other, and recognizing that we all come from a different place, and that we all belong, that is unity. So of course, when the freedom movement started going to Ottawa, notice that our prime minister vilified them, and called them racist, misogynist, white supremacists, before they even got there. Notice that if, if we can at least come to that understanding that before he even met them, they were already labeled 
as dangerous because you know what? They were dangerous. They're very dangerous to him and what he's created because Trudeau allows for violent protests. He allows for buildings to be burnt down and he allows for road blockages as long as they don't go against him and everything about the freedom movement was going against what he was trying to create. And that's why it makes me, it makes me sad to see this beautiful group of people. And I know because I have participated in this, I have seen it in multiple cities, I have worked for teams, um, I have been on the ground. I have not seen at any of these protests from people in real life with my own eyes face to face any hate judgment or discrimination ever but the other side I see it plenty we'll call it like the anti-freedom movement I see so much hate and it's like I said how you can feel that in the air this love and unity what's happened recently with anti-freedom protests is you will have the people fighting for love and inclusion and they're laughing and hugging and dancing and singing all kinds of people, all kinds of races, all kinds of religion. And then you'll have across the street like five or ten people screaming and yelling, holding signs that say things like gas the unvaccinated and go away and we hate you. Like, I've never had a visual or visceral experience of light and dark like I have face-to-face in those experiences. Going there myself, it's it's never been more clear. What, it like, it's funny because this whole podcast is, like, not picking sides and finding unity. But, like, if you do pick a side, uh, it's the one that's loving each other. It's not the one that's screaming and yelling and hating like I've never seen something so clear in my entire life I was watching for hours the day that the freedom protests got ripped apart and I had tears like streaming down my face I was watching like these multiple live streams of the event and People remained peaceful while there were military guards and police members beating them, trampling them. This one video, the the police were hitting them with their batons and the people were praying for them. And they weren't even saying like, God forgives you. They were saying, God bless you. God bless you. You're just doing your job. We love you. While they were getting beaten. And, you know, I I think the police there were, they're just doing their jobs. But man, my, my attention was on the people. They know and they still know and these things are going to keep going. People still know that love and unity is our greatest weapon. And that's why our government is coming down harder and harder and harder on them. This is why there's an active campaign to divide the people that is still based on lies. 
The lies about foreign influence, the lies about the Russians started it, the lies about money being stolen, the lies about arson and violence. If you've been paying attention, all of those lies have come to the light and they've all been disproven. All of them. Weapons. Every single one. They're making up lies because they don't want Canadians to realize what this is. This is people coming together. This is people unifying. Different beliefs, different religions, different races, they're coming together in love and unity and they're doing it peacefully. So that same day that everything got torn apart and I watched until there was almost no one left and the police had surrounded the areas with gates and basically gassed or beat or hauled off almost everyone. And it felt so defeating in that moment, but I remember a few things. One, they won. Because no matter the pressure, no matter the hate, no matter the violence, they remain peaceful. And then something amazing happened that night. Even after the beatings, even after the gassing, even after the threats of jail, thousands and thousands of people showed up outside those gates. They all showed up. Nobody was scared. Everyone understood the consequences. They showed. I remember just sobbing. There was all the people. There were the DJs. There were like all the people. They all came back. They all came back and they stayed. And they didn't let the police scare them away. They didn't let Trudeau stop them. This thing is going to keep going. It's going to keep going. Division, when we are divided, we are weak. When we are together, we are strong. And this is why everything is coming down so hard on these people. Because they know that. The people know that they are powerful when they are together, when they are united. When they can respect each other's choices. I remember one story from a trucker who was saying... He's from Alberta, and Alberta and Quebec don't really get along, (laughs) if you know Canadian politics. And when they first got there, there was a bunch of people from Quebec and a bunch of truckers from Alberta, and they kind of walked to each other and then just stopped. And one side was speaking French and one side was speaking English. And then they kind of tried to communicate a little bit and were having a hard time doing so. And then one guy pulled out a fuck Trudeau flag and everybody just started hugging. (laughs) They just started hugging. And then they got out their like Google Translate apps and the guys from Quebec told the Alberta team that previous to this experience, they were separatists. And now they are blown away by the love and compassion of other Canadians and that now they would never be a separatist ever again and that they are proud to be Canadian. And I think a lot of us felt that when we saw thousands of people headed to Ottawa, all those people that were alone, that had been bullied and shamed, 
into silence in their homes for their personal health choices, for their personal beliefs, all of a sudden we got to see that we're not alone. Not only are we not alone, look how powerful we are. Look how welcome we are. Look how loved we are. Look at this group. That's going to continue. That's not going to stop. And I think as we see this grow as it will, we're also going to see the other side that's trying to divide. It's going to get harsher. And we're going to see that that hard line in the sand, honestly, between good and evil, division versus unity. So regardless of what side you stand on, regardless of your personal health choices, I just want to say I respect your choices. I respect your personal choices. And I think that online bullying, I think that mandates, I think forcing anything on anyone is wrong. I think that we should be free to choose. And that the only way that we will get through this pandemic, the only way we will heal this division in society, the only way that we will heal our friendships and our relationships with our family members is by coming together, not forcing each other to agree with us, not forcing each other to adhere to the mob or to one science or one belief. That's not unity. That is coercion. We're talking about acceptance of each other. We're talking about personal responsibility. And we're talking about deep, deep listening and empathy. This is how we move forward. This is how we create solutions that benefit the collective. And this is how we move forward. So that's all I have to say on that today. I hope something about this podcast resonated with you. If you like it, leave a comment or rate this podcast. That helps us. Um, that helps us get out there. So yeah, thanks everybody. And um, I'll see you guys next time.